The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K-State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. Well, here we are again. It's Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Wildcats, Hall of Fame voice, Wyatt Thompson. Travion Berkland is with us wearing a thriller Mike Jack hoodie this week. He's got a lot of a lot of those Mike Jack Michael Jackson hoodies. I'm not surprised. We were talking last week about Janet Jackson coming to Kansas City in May. And he's gonna go all out for that show. Remind us, Travion, about what it's going to take to meet her. It's going to take 1,200 big ones. <laughs> and he's going to do it? Going to try, anyways. Are you really? Yes. A big fan of the Jackson family. When you, he, you told us, right, you, you've been to Gary, Indiana a couple times. and Yep, been to Gary a couple times. Been to various uh, Jackson-related sites throughout the U.S., so... I offered. I, I I got Troy and I a couple of tickets. I was like, you know, why not? Let's go see Janet Jackson. Why not? I'm sure it's a good show. But anyway, we got a busy show. We're gonna get a lot into football. Coach Kleiman had a press conference earlier today. Media had a chance to talk with some players as well. First time since post game of the Big Twelve Championship. I'll be honest with you. I was so used to having these things on Tuesdays. I completely forgot about it. Is that right? I felt so bad, too. I looked at the, my watch, and I was like, oh, it's 1130. You know, pulling up into work. I, I was expecting to get here around this time anyway. And I look at my, the schedule of the, of the media gatherings leading up from today to the bowl game. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> I don't forget these type of things. And yep. then I, you know, one little tweak in the schedule, all of a sudden it's on a Monday and well, well, we'll have I'll have another chance to redeem myself here coming up on Thursday when uh, Coach Kleiman will have his 2023 signing day press conference, which signing day is on Wednesday, but because of the men's and women's basketball doubleheader on Wednesday afternoon, going to have the presser on Thursday. That's at, it. Like what, 9, yeah. 9.30 in the morning? 9.30. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's a busy week leading up to, of course, Christmas on Sunday and, of course, the trip to the... Sugar Bowl, which is good. You guys are leaving a week from today. That's correct. Yeah. Wow. First plane about 10.30-ish, and the second plane about 3.30-ish. Yeah, how about that? Plane, there's two different plane trips, right, Uh for the team to leave for uh, New Orleans? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Now, which plane are you on? I, you would guess I'd be on the second plane, right? I I don't really have a guess. I don't know. Oh, you don't have a guess? I don't know. I'm on the second plane. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it... uh, I think for the most part, uh, you're looking at team and coaches and staff on that first group, and then most of the rest of the athletic department types, I'll say, uh, including myself, uh, uh, on on the second plane. I can't wait, man. I'm so excited. It's a week from today. The weather this what Wednesday night into Thursday is not great. Then it's just really, really cold for a while. Yeah. But, uh, man, a lot going on. we got a big show here and, but I'm I'm excited for next week. That's going to be awesome. Well, before we get to the cats, I got to ask: Did you watch the big game on Sunday? Did Did you happen to take in the World Cup final? 
You know what? I am not the world's biggest soccer guy, and I think you know that. I've, I've admitted that. Uh, I work with some that are huge. I'm told it was one of the greatest games of all time. But truthfully, I didn't. I, I went in and did a lot of work yes, because I knew uh, Kleiman's stuff was today, and I had another session with him uh, and, and just kind of the way my day laid out, including this show. I went in and worked a lot on some basketball stuff because we turned right around and play Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And then when I, about the time I got home, I watched about an hour of Alabama LSU, and then NFL football started. So I saw – I didn't see two seconds of the World Cup. Oh, why? Not, not two seconds. It, it was truly one of the greatest sporting events to ever take place. Really? At least from – the sporting events that I've ever seen with my own two eyes in person <laughs> or on TV, yeah. it was a miraculous game. Sounded like it. And the dramatic – I mean, it was about as dramatic as it could possibly be. It wasn't as dramatic in the, in the shootout – uh, as Argentina was able to put it away, but I thought it was really cool watching Martin Gramatica, uh, who you know was from Argentina. Yes, and uh, he and his boys watching it at home in the celebration that took place. His sons were wearing um, some uh, Lionel Messi jerseys, and the celebration was. It's on Twitter. If you know, if you if you follow Martin uh, Gramatica, it was. I'll, it was have really to, fun. I'll have to check it out. I have not seen that. Martin's such a neat guy. I, I don't know. I, I've met his sons, I think, but I, you know, and I don't profess to know Martin well, but I've met him a couple of different times. He's a really, really fun guy to be around. Uh, I'm sure he was thrilled. No well, question. Well, there is one son that just, you know, happens to kick sure, and I uh, play some high school football. And yep. uh, also, I believe he's a soccer player as well and, you know, has quite the leg on him. Oh, yeah. Passed down from generation for generation. Generation to generation, I suppose. But we'll get to a lot of football here in the next couple of hours. Also, uh, you know, I want to also take some time in the show. This is actually going to be our last Wildcat Insider for the year 2022. Um, you know, the next one would be the day after Christmas and taking the day off. And then it's a travel day that next Monday for myself. So just not available to do it. So it's our last of 2022. I want to kind of go over our favorite moments of sure K-State athletics in 2022. But first, I do want to kick things off with the basketball win. Coach Jerome Tang and K-State men's hoops winning in Kansas City for the Wildcat Classic over the Nebraska Cornhuskers. 71-56, fun fact, that now gives K-State a winning record against Fred Hoiberg, now 7-6, and six, and um, gives Jerome Tang now... 10 wins on the year, 10 and 1. Now, I know the way the game finished maybe left some fans feeling, you know, it just wasn't as the most satisfying of victories, but it was still a 15 point victory against Nebraska, who is maybe you could argue playing some of their best basketball in the last week or two. True. Taking on three straight top 25 teams, beating one of them in Creighton, and that game was in Omaha. In case they got this win just playing seven guys, I was a little bit surprised to not see Ishmael Sood or Dorian Finister, but K-State was good enough to keep this game from Nebraska not being able to really truly get back into it. They did threaten, mm-hmm. but K-State was always able to keep it within arm's reach of Nebraska. Yeah, I, I think for me, and the, the stretch of the game, for those who didn't see it or hear it, K-State's up, what, 59-40. to 40. Okay, Nebraska has a ten nothing run to make it fifty nine forty nine, or fifty nine fifty. I beg your pardon. And you kind of get a little bit concerned, mm-hmm. 
But as you said, when it was all said and done, it's 71-56 a final, so they stretched it out a little bit at the end. And probably the last maybe 40 to 50 seconds to a minute was Nebraska still fouling probably even maybe later than some had hoped they would and K-State you know, benefiting there from the foul line. But, but at the end of the day, for me, this Nebraska team is much better than they were a year ago. And you really couldn't tell it because K-State had such a good plan and was so quality defensively that they pretty much had things their way from the point where they're down 2 nothing, they're forward. Okay? I mean, the Huskers for the game shoot 32%. Mm-hmm. They're 4 of 21 from 3. And again, they're not the world's best three-point shooting team. I get that. But they're also a pretty good defensive team. They pushed Purdue prior to our game Saturday night in Kansas City at T-Mobile. And, and again, say what you want, but boy, Keontae Johnson was special. He had 23 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists, 4 steals in 34 minutes and made 9 of 13 shots. Wow, that's a, that's a line. It's fun to watch Keontae knock down those corner three-pointers, mm-hmm. be involved in those you know half-court lobs that goes in for an alley-oop dunk. But I, I tell you what, early in that second half, you know, Keontae was trying to go inside and either from mid-range or trying to get to the hoop from the block, putting up shots that were contested mm-hmm. and not easy to make. And he put them in like it was no big deal. To me, that was the impressive game that Keontae Johnson brought 4K State against Nebraska. That was really impressive. Well, he's so strong with the ball in his hands. Okay. He's a very, very fine shooter. We were talking off air a moment ago. The guy's shooting 51.5% from three, not from the floor, from three. And there were a couple of times where he would drive baseline. And I really thought, with, and I'm closest, let's see, I think you were setting to my left. So it would yes. be as far baseline as you were viewing it. Okay. To your right. And he's driving baseline. It looks like they're going to cut him off. And I look, and, and his hand behind the ball is kind of more facing the foul line than the basket. Okay? And he goes up into the air, and I'm thinking, well, he's going to pass the ball. I'm not saying this, but this is what I'm seeing. Okay? And then all of a sudden, that hand turns, and he just shoots a little six or seven, eight-foot floater. Swish. It's like, man, this guy. Quality, quality player. And we were talking off air. You mentioned the big stat there. He's shooting 51.5% from three-point range this year. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at his other numbers, and I was like, you know, he's just shooting three threes a game. I think we need to get him a couple of more looks, <laughs> especially if we could get him in a sweet spot. And if you don't know, it's that corner, the left corner, is where he loves to shoot the basketball. And it seems like every time he shoots it from there, he's going to make it. And if he can get him get the ball to him there, and if he's open, he just needs a glimmer, just a, a sliver of time to get yeah. that ball off, and he's going to feel comfortable shooting it. I, I think the most impressive thing for me is just his strength in his hands and how many times in 11 games have we seen him underneath the bucket with the ball and go up between two defenders and somehow score the ball, whether it's just – you know, straight up to the goal and, and lay it in, whether it's banking it off the glass. I mean, he, he really is quite good there. Uh, and, and his – do you remember David Hoskins? For sure. Yeah. David was one of those guys that he was wide enough and strong enough and tough enough. If he got his shoulder into you a little bit, 
you were there were two things that were going to happen. Well, maybe three. You were going to foul him, or he was going to score, or he was going to score in an and one. Keontae's a little bit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, the, the final numbers would have looked a lot better if Casey just didn't go so cold in the final 10 <laughs> minutes of the game. I think yeah. they had just two field goals in the final nine or 10 minutes of the mm-hmm. game. That was the kind of the part of the game where you're like, man, this is just, they can't buy a basket. Well, just, you mentioned the seven players, and this yeah. is important, I think, because we didn't see Ish. I wasn't totally surprised with that. He hasn't really played good quality basketball for a little bit here, but part of that is injury-related. Bebe is close. I thought that he might have a chance to get into the game Saturday night, but they elected to not. The real surprise, though, is the third guy, Dorian Finister. After how well he played, yeah. and, and again, we're talking a, quite a bit of difference in competition between Incarnate Word and Nebraska, certainly. But I was mildly surprised that he didn't get in there. So those seven guys is the point here. I think they went through that stretch and got a little bit tired. And give Nebraska some credit. They made a little push. They Once they kind of got that thing to, to 10 or 9, they were like, oh, game on here, right? I mean, you could see the spark in their eye. But fortunately, K-State was fortunate enough to, to be able to hold them off and push it back out to that final margin. Yeah, the free throw line came very active in the last couple of minutes, and I was yeah. glad to see them start knocking down consecutive free throws, some two-for-two two trips once in a while, which feels like it's kind of hard to get those once in a while. I do want to go back to the defense, though, that you brought up moments ago. That was a huge takeaway for me about how well K-State was playing its on-ball defense. I mean, Marquise Noel was just as active as anybody was. He was swiping at the basketball. He's getting a lot of deflections and Heck, I think one of the plays of the game, and I think this was getting a lot of traction on social media, is when Sam Greasel was trying to back in on him. Like, it was just kind of back and forth, going right hand, left hand, and just trying to, in his own way, get to the lane and drive in on him, or back in, and then he just loses the ball out of bounds. Yeah. But Marquise Noel didn't do a whole lot of extra. He just stayed with him and never gave him the angle to go to the hoop, like he wanted to going left or going right. And you saw a lot, of, a lot of that, a lot of deflections, a lot of you know, turnovers. I mean, I think K-State forced 18 in the game against Nebraska. It was just and, – and give Nebraska credit as well. I thought they were pretty good defensively until they gave up you know, the backdoor cut or allowed K-State to get to the lane. I think they fell sure. asleep at times on defense once K-State actually started to really be active in moving the basketball. Well, you mentioned 18 turnovers for the Huskers. That's accurate. And K-State had 19 points – in large part, strictly based on those 18 turnovers. So so it was a big factor in the game. Again, their defense was solid. They had four players in double figures. And again, really, I mean, they, they, they basically played just those seven guys. And really, the only thing that, that I would say that surprised me a little bit about this game was the fact that if Wilhelm Breidenbach doesn't play that as well as he did in the first half for Nebraska, this could have been a 25-point game. Nebraska, I thought, was super lucky with their scoring early. <laughs> because I swear to you, eight of their first ten points was on a lucky bounce on rebounds, and they were able to go back up with it. Yeah, It was early buckets that would drive you nuts. Yeah. Well, I do want to mention this, too, while we're talking K-State basketball, because I think this is important. We talked about the defense, rock solid, okay? We all understand that Keontae played exceptionally well. I thought Marquise, even though he didn't shoot the ball well, played played a good quality game. 
probably the same could be said for Cam Carter. I thought Cam was active um, and, and did a nice job, uh, but he was just three out of ten. But Gasson and Tomlin here lately, and mm-hmm. I think you knew that's where I was going. Yeah, uh, I figured this up to date. Well, actually, yesterday. How about this? Naquan in his last four games, 14 points, 7.5 rebounds, and shooting 58% from the floor. Gasson, who had only three points in the game, but with eight rebounds in his last three, 12.7 points, five rebounds, and shooting 15 of 18 from the floor. Those guys have really made K-State better, uh, kind of just being more consistent, understanding their roles a little bit better, especially on the offensive end. I think they're both quality defenders. I really do. They got Derek Walker into foul trouble early. That was the key. It, it, big time. Yeah. And also, you know, David Gasson, yes, his his defense was, I thought, was spectacular. Yeah. Other than maybe one, one drive by Derek Walker. Other than that, Gasson was winning that battle. He was. That, and that Walker was, got frustrated, too. That helped. Yes. The second foul really put him behind the eight ball because he is kind of the guy that everything kind of feeds through him for Nebraska offensively. And then I know that Nebraska was very unhappy with the with the foul for his third early in the second half. But I've been told by a couple of people that saw the video, it looked like he, he was the guy that initiated the contact with the shoulder. And anyway, the call went against Nebraska, and then he set for, you know, five, six minutes or so. And, and for the most part at that point, uh, that, that margin was – fairly wide, and Nebraska got within nine, but that was as close as they got. No, I'm glad you brought up David Gasson and, um, and Naquan Tomlin. Hey, I don't know if you saw this stat, but uh, shout out to KSU underscore fan for doing all this work about K-State. <laughs> They're finishing with a dunk like 13% of the time, which is a very high number. Like the, their, their numbers when it just comes to dunking is off the charts right now, and they're, they're always putting on a show. And Naquan Tomlin, I know he loves to dunk it because he's always emphatic. He's got a great-looking dunk. He does. He really does. He's so long. He brings it up high. and Oh, God, it's so good. Yeah, when he really wants to throw it down, he's every bit as good as, as most, that's for sure. And by the way, today's his birthday, so happy birthday, Quan. Happy birthday, Naquan Tomlin. <laughs> is, this, is this 21? Is he... Is he a junior? I think that's right. He yeah, he's a junior. Big so day. I, I'm I'm guessing check. 21. I didn't look that up, but we could double check during the break. There but, you go. Uh, and I just one more thing. I, I mentioned free throws. You know, at the end of the game, KFC was knocking him down 68.4 percent. Listen, I, I've been hard on him about the rebounding lately, but you know what? That's an improvement. That's better than the last five games. So you know what? I listen. Big 12 play. It's here before you know it. Free throw shots are going to be gigantic. Yep. When we get into those games. It's got to improve, and I think we saw a little bit better uh, on Saturday against Nebraska. Plus, also, the crowd was awesome. It got so loud being down there at the floor of the T-Mobile Center. Over 13,000 people were there. You know, the Nebraska fans were trying to be loud. It was like a true road (laughs) game for them. You know, they were going to – it was going to be a gigantic crowd pop whenever they made a bucket. It was going to be the biggest bucket in the world whenever they scored against K-State. That's how they reacted. K-State fans were awesome. That was yeah, a great they, showing. They were. It was a great showing, and hats off to them. They've been great all year, you know, from football into into basketball season here. And I think, if I'm being perfectly honest, I think Coach Tang was blown away by by the crowd in Kansas City and exactly what you said, how much they were into it and how much they appreciated a pretty good defensive effort in ball game. I thought it was a good call that he wabashed. 
That was really cool, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I was I was hoping somebody would join him. I mean, they're supposed you know somebody's supposed yeah. to go the opposite way, and I don't think he cares. Him. I don't think he cares when he when the mood hits him. He's good, don't you think? I don't know. I think some guys should be running afterwards. I <laughs> for nobody joining him to do the walk. I think that was a great opportunity for the whole team to line up and walk. Anyway, yeah. anyway, but it was yeah. still a fantastic moment. Sure was. Uh, all right, let's take a timeout. When we come back, let's get to K State football because. Coach Kleiman spoke to the media earlier today. What is the status for Adrian Martinez heading into the bowl game? We'll find out next. Mitch Fortner with Wyatt Thompson, Travion Berkland here as well. It is our final Wildcat Insider for the year 2022. Coming up in hour number two, we are busy with hearing from Deuce Vaughn, who surprised us on the Friday show after uh, doing an event here in town, and he got put on the phone on the on the spot and got to congratulate him about being a consensus All-American for the second year in a row. Also going to go over some favorite moments in 2022 for K-State Athletics. Bama and K-State not expecting any opt-outs for the Sugar Bowl. We'll get into that at 5-10. But let's hear some highlights from Chris Kleiman's press conference earlier today. I'll let him actually tell you himself not expecting opt-outs for the bowl game. I think everybody that uh, will be eligible to play will play. I, I did see that Alabama had the same thing, which I'm excited for the fan base uh, of both teams and the fans in general that the best players want to play and play with their teammates and stuff. And, and uh, one last time, I think that's a good sign for college football in general when uh, you have a, a game of this magnitude with two really good teams, two really good programs, so much respect for Coach Saban and what he's done, not at Alabama, but what he's done for college football in general yeah no no surprises that I, to me at least that k-state won't have anybody opt out i think we're we, we've been kind of looking at the three with deuce vaughn uh, cooper bb and felix and dk uzama but um you know we didn't see anybody opt out of the texas bowl last year so this is a bigger game mm-hmm. bigger opponent uh, yeah, no surprises, at least to me, that nobody, everybody's going to play. Yeah, I, I think it would be safe to say that the players that came to the presser today and followed Coach Kleiman, it's pretty obvious that they are excited about this opportunity. Respecting Alabama, certainly. Knowing what they are and how good they are, absolutely. But they're pumped up to have that kind of an opportunity, and should be. Now, this was... Uh, great questions I think it was by Fitz asking about Adrian Martinez to be quite honest with you I think for some maybe he's a little easy to forget because Will Howard has really taken over that job and Adrian's been hurt Mm -hmm. but it was great to get this status about Adrian Martinez who hasn't played since the Texas game and he's now back at practice. He practiced yesterday, which was good, and, and it was a, a, a normal practice. He took reps. Uh, Will took reps with the ones, and then he and Jake took reps with the twos, and we eased him into it yesterday. We'll probably give him a few more reps. Um, I think he came out of it uh, okay yesterday. Uh, so we'll probably give him a few more reps these next three days uh, and, and push him a little bit more. But Coach Kleiman did confirm who the starting quarterback would be, of course. Will's going to start. Will's the guy in the bowl game. But I'd love to have uh, Adrian get an opportunity to play in this bowl game. And if he's healthy, that's the plan, is trying to get him some snaps in there. But I want to make sure that that he's healthy first. And and we need to probably get through these next three days. And and then he's going to get a few days off uh, before we reconvene in New Orleans. Let me tell you this. I'm as interested as anybody to find out coming up on December 31st on how exactly they figure out 
how to get Adrian into the game. Sure. Uh, because, well, first thing is that comes to mind is, well, this isn't going to be a blowout. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a close game. Sure. This is going to be a dogfight. But, of course, I mean, Adrian is just he's, – I mean, he's a great quarterback. And we there's, there's no way K-State gets to this opportunity without him. Um, but it is now Will Howard's show. He is a starting quarterback. But I guess, you know, what do you do? Do you throw him in for a play? I mean, it's got to make sense, right? You just don't just throw him into the game. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, though. He's trying to get to that point where he makes himself available because Mm -hmm. he is healthy. And if the opportunity presents itself, how neat would it be for him in his final game as a college football player to do something that he has never done? And he's accomplished a lot in this game, Mm -hmm. but he's never played in a bowl game. So right there is certainly motivation beyond the norm, right? I mean, if I were him, I'd be excited even if I get a series, right? I would be, and I'll bet he will be too. Right, and what what I would definitely love to see is, you know, get him in, getting him in the game is one thing. Mm-hmm. Have him but, do something, but let's yeah. let's get him in the end zone. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Sure, you absolutely. Know? And maybe that maybe that's where they draw it up is like you know if they could run some sort of wildcat for him because you know he's a great running quarterback um, and will you know he can run it too, but he hasn't been as active because of the lack of depth. He's the backup now coming into the game. You don't want to risk it, so only run him if you have to. If he wants to improvise and do it, do it. But Adrian, if he's healthy enough and he can run it, you know maybe that is where you put him in the game, where it is a scoring opportunity, mm-hmm. first down, second down. You have a chance to run him with the blocking, hopefully there. Yeah, get him in the end zone. That that would be, I think, the picture perfect send off for Adrian Martinez in this situation, in that kind of game, yeah. if it's possible. Well, I think you said it perfectly a little while ago when you said, and many have said this, and it is so that K-State would not be where they are today without Adrian Martinez, and I believe that to be so. He, he was really pretty darn good early. Maybe not spectacular, but pretty darn good. I would say he was spectacular the night we were in Norman. I don't, I don't think that's stretching it in any way, shape, or form. Oh, it was yeah. one of the best performances ever. Exactly. And so I, I think from that perspective, on top of what he has been like in his short stay in Manhattan – coming in here and doing everything right, being elected a captain, and obviously a guy who really connected early on with his teammates and all of those other things. Um, I think that, I don't want to speak for Coach Kleiman in any way, shape, or form, but I think that is in large part why he'd like to see Adrian Martinez get a little piece of, of this ball game on the 31st. Can he play corner? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, well, he's fast. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we did get an uh, we get, we did get an update on Echo Boy. I'll play that for you real quick. He would be the one that would probably be of uh, the ones that aren't season ending. Uh, would be the one that I'm probably concerned about the most. He hasn't practiced at all yet. Uh, I don't see him practicing before we leave for New Orleans. And so, you know, that gives him a week from today is when we get down to New Orleans, and that will be a better tell. And I, he still says he's playing, which I love. He said, Coach, I'm playing, but he's got to continue to do some rehab, uh, and we'll see how it is next Monday. You know, also kind of, you know, short at uh, at the safety position. I mean, let's not forget Keenan Garber was the one that was thrown into that spot sure. for Echo when he got hurt in the first half, making a, a great play, breaking up a pass. 
But unfortunately, he he got injured, and we didn't see him for the rest of the game. And Kenan Garber got the nod over a couple of pretty young guys. Uh, and Keenan had only been playing that position for maybe a month and then didn't know he was going to really get a shot until, what, the, the week of? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know, of course I'm you know kind of joking there about can Adrian play <laughs> defense or whatever, but, you know, it's kind of funny, I but, guess. But I do, it. you know, as he said, Echo is probably the biggest question mark at this right. point, and yet what does that say without hearing the name? It says to you that Malik Knowles will probably be available. That is a big deal for big this time. football team in, in every way, uh, meaning his frame, his talent, his experience, just uh, leadership, all of those kind of things. Um, and For him to be able to go, because I, I think most would have thought after the bowl game that, well, okay, Echo could probably make it go, but a little more iffy for Malik, and it's kind of weird that it's almost flipped, and yet – I'm just going to be honest. I'm not ruling Echo out necessarily, and I don't think Coach Kleiman is either. He's just kind of saying he's the biggest question mark right now because just because of the injury itself. And so, ho- knock on wood, ho- hopefully both of those guys can go. It'd be, it'd be great if Echo could could go too. Well, and I'll, I'll shout this out real quick about Malik. <clears throat> when it comes to this whole roster, there's very few that I'm happier for more than – Malik Knowles, uh, that he will be healthy enough to play in the bowl game because, heck, the last, well, the first couple of years that he was starting and playing significant snaps, he was getting banged up. Yeah. It was hard to keep him on the field. And then I think heading into this year, we felt pretty good about the wide receiver position, but we weren't talking anything like, oh, this is the best unit on the team, even though Coach had said this is one of the deepest positions on the team yet we really only saw three guys play the majority of the time um i was really just hoping for a huge year for echo uh, or not echo but uh, malik and i wanted him to have his best year and i think he has had his best year i know it hasn't been the best when it comes to special teams but as a wide receiver he's been putting up his best numbers he's been playing his best football in the second half of the year it's interesting to look at Malik's career numbers, and we're basically talking about 50 games. 1,861 receiving yards, 1,674 kick return yards with three touchdowns, and maybe it would surprise you that he's knocking on 500 rush yards, 438 with four touchdowns. You, You get the idea. He's a valuable piece because he does a little bit of everything. And I think he's had a lot of pressure on him over the years to be that guy. <laughs> because of his frame and his, his talent, everybody wanted him to be a star right out of the gate. And it doesn't always necessarily work like that. But I think what I appreciate about Malik as much as anything, and there are several you know fronts that you could really say, hey, love the guy for this, but he's just gotten a little bit better every year. And you want that. I haven't done the whole research. Like I, I'm the worst at trying to keep up with. All right, who has the extra? When you, when you see senior on the bio, sure. Do they have an extra year, or is this it? <laughs> I'm the worst to keep it up with that. It's hard to keep up with it this day and age because of COVID. But I'm pretty sure Malik has the extra year available. I really want him to come back. Do you? I real yes. It'd be great if he re- did. He's yeah. man. He's been playing so. Well. I just think him. 
you know, I think with Will Howard being the quarterback and him with Will just playing so much better has made Malik better as a wide receiver. I, I just think that connection would be phenomenal next year. Sure, I really do. I think yeah. we're just getting a taste of it. But what it could be if it if it's even better next year, what it could be, oh my gosh! Like just thinking about it makes me drool. <laughs> I think it could be spectacular. Yeah. Um, all right, let's take a timeout. When we come back, we'll we'll keep the 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 the, the topic going with the press conference that we had earlier today with K State football. We're going to hear from the guy that I was begging for to come back last year. He was at the top of my list. Eli Huggins. He spoke to the media earlier today. We'll hear that coming up next. It's Wildcat Insider on K-Man. Mitch Fortner, Wyatt Thompson, Travion Berkland. Here in just a few moments, we'll hear about the goal line stand in the Big 12 championship game from this perspective of the nose guard or you know defensive lineman Eli Huggins. Even though you know Damian Eli Leo was in that game as well, but uh, we'll hear from that in just a moment. You know, what? It, it's funny to me, Eli Huggins from Cumming, Georgia, which is just north of Atlanta. I mean, he grew up in SEC country, grew up a a Tennessee fan, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to be – I'm sure he speaks about it here in just a moment, but it's going to be super interesting and, and fascinating from his perspective to get to play against Alabama after you know being at K-State for five years, getting to play against the Alabama Crimson Tide in your final game collegiately. But like I said before the break, last year when there were a number of guys that came back for that extra year, like Daniel Green is another example, uh, Cade Warner came back for that extra year, there were a number of guys that was like, you know – if we could just get some of them back, this could be a very special year. And I think I think most of them, mm-hmm. pretty much for the most part, came back. But I didn't want anybody anybody back more than Eli Huggins. Uh, first of all, just the defensive line in general. I thought, you know, with him back, this is that's going to be the best group of guys on the team. That is going to be the most star-studded badasses that K State could find in a certain unit. But I didn't think K-State could be that without Eli Huggins, just because of how, first of all, committed he is to K-State, how much he gets better every single year. He's just such a dog down there. Yeah. You know, because the nose guard doesn't get as much love as the defensive ends, especially in a 3-3. It's the defensive ends that get the opportunities to really fly around and go get those sacks. Nose guards don't get a whole lot of sacks, unless you play for the, you're a certain nose that play for the Rams. Almost every week... No, not almost. Every week during the season, I go back and listen to the opponent coach weekly press conference. And almost with zero exception, right off the top of my head, I would tell you every coach, if he is not mentioned by name, is mentioned by number every single week. They'll either say Eli Huggins is a dog or they will say 92 is a beast or worse, <laughs> or at least for this show, uh, ratings-wise, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They know the dude can play, and he is just rock-solid and tough. I don't think I'm stretching this in any way, shape, or form. I think he is one of the absolute best nose tackles in all of college football. Period. End of story. You know what's funny? Out of all the players, K-State, if, uh, I've been covering the team now for a decade— and I, I remember everybody that we've ever had from the South, 
have some sort of a southern accent. I don't think I've ever heard an accent from Eli Huggins. Yeah, Eli kind of fits in here, doesn't he? I mean, he's I, I just really appreciate him as a person first, certainly as a as a player and a talent and a you know, the team loves him. I mean, you, you ask anybody about him, it's kind of like the same answer you get if you ask about Cooper Beebe or somebody like that. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than this guy. He, he's, he's totally, 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 totally legit. Well, we haven't had an opportunity to play a lot of Eli <laughs> Huggins just one-on-one with the media uh, this year, but I wanted to give him this this time now he spoke to the media earlier today i'll let you hear for yourself does he have an accent or not here's eli huggins with the media earlier today what were your goals coming in the season well the ultimate goal was the big 12 championship um so everything i mean i had other goals um that were kind of secondary to that but uh winning the big 12 championship kind of made me not care about all those other goals you know it kind of erased everything else that was that was the number one goal what have you learned most about yourself this season Man, uh, just being in a, I've been in a, a, a different role this year than ever. I've been kind of the, the grandpa, I'm the, the oldest guy around, gotten to be a captain. You know, I, I've always kind of been a, a quiet guy and not spoken up too much, maybe led through my action, but not with my voice. So um, I think this year's really kind of forced me in a good way just to become a better leader, um, be more vocal, and, and just kind of take command and take charge. You take us through that goal line stand. Man, that was uh, that was something special, something I'll never forget. Um, what's crazy is I actually I didn't really do my job on that play. So I, how I swiped across that that tackle coming down, I really should stay in there. Just something didn't feel right. <laughs> something didn't feel right to me. Um, so I, I made the decision to, to cross it. Daniel took his legs, and I was there to, to kind of catch him. And I don't think you could draw it up a better way just between me, him, and, and Ty, three guys who could have left and chose to come back just because how much they love this place and getting to kind of be the guys to, to end the game and win the game. I mean, it's just, I don't think you could write it any better. I mean, it's just special. How special is it to play against, obviously, as Coach Clement said, the gold standard of college football and mm-hmm. knowing Bryce Young's playing and Will Anderson, just how cool is that to be on, on this big national stage like that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's an awesome opportunity to, to test ourselves and test this program. I mean, they, they have been the gold standard for the last 10 or 15 years. I mean, they've, they've dominated college football. Um, I'm glad they're going to be at full strength. I think it's it's just an awesome opportunity to see where we're at as, as a program. Um, I know we're super excited about it. How quickly did you come back, come back down to earth after the Big 12 championship game? Well, we we had a, a week off from from football activities for the week after, so it uh, we had some fun that that week. So it, 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 uh, um, I don't know. We, we we definitely celebrated a little bit, um, and and the guys earned it, in my opinion. I think everyone had every right to to enjoy it for a second. But we're we're back to work now. All season long, the mindset's kind of been. Next game, next game, next game. Um, forget about the past. So that's what we're doing right now, moving on to the future. How much progress did Brennan Mott make this season? I, I think he has got to be, in my opinion, uh, the most improved player on the defense. I mean, he he has played outstanding, in my opinion. Um, you know, going into the year, you didn't really know was he going to get a ton of reps, was he not? Um, I think he's been super impressive. I mean, he, he's played great. Um, super dependable player, consistent player. I couldn't be happier for him. 
you know, you grew up in SEC country. Is this extra special to get an SEC team in your last college football game? No, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, grew up in Georgia. Uh, grew up a Tennessee fan. Mom, my mom and sisters. Everyone, my sister now goes to Georgia. Uh, so I've kind of been around it my whole life. So it, it is really cool to kind of get to go out and, and play against, the, you know, the, the top dog in the SEC for, for a long time. So, yeah, it, it's very cool. How happy are they that you're taking on Alabama? Oh, yeah, they're, they're excited. They're definitely excited. It's, uh, it's going to be a cool moment. What have you seen out of their offensive line in film you've seen so far? I mean, they're just an impressive group overall. I mean, they've got a, a, a player, uh, just a dog in every position on the field. I mean, they, they don't really have any gaps or holes. Um, there's a really good unit, play together really well, uh, big group. So it's going to be a, a good matchup. Coach Kleiman made the uh, the statement earlier today about somebody asked about just you know, like what stands out about Alabama, what makes them different than other Big Twelve, you know, big, big Twelve teams you see every year. Of course, you know, top to bottom, Alabama, you know, pretty good. They're not not too bad. But he went to the lines. Yeah. The offensive and defensive lines, and that's where it really starts with Alabama and how just good they are every year, just stacked. You see it at every position, height, width, athleticism, toughness. It sticks out. Hour two will kick off. Why and I, we will discuss Alabama not expecting any opt-outs for the Sugar Bowl. We'll also hear from hashtag my boy, Deuce Vaughn. Your local news is around the corner.